Welcome to the Sooner Catholic Podcast. We're back this week with another podcast. This is what we do. Um, and okay, so so we're gonna get into a little bit of last night's talk. Last night's talk was on conversion by our very own Austin Satrio. He shared a little bit about his life and um, kind of in retrospective, like what the Lord has done in his life to bring him to where he is. And he pulled out some nuggets for us from his own conversion story and, and those that he's seen uh, around him. So we're gonna talk about that a little bit. Uh, but first, we just need to kind of just loosen up and, and lean into the to the God-given abilities that we have, Trevor. Am I right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's get those nuggets coming. Chicken. Crispy. Hey. Grilled. Okay. If you didn't know by now, we, we try to open up every podcast just with a little bit of uh, goofiness, but also a lot of seriousness with these bars. <laughs> Why did you add that? That's <laughs> not serious at all. All right, here we go. <clears throat> so, you or me. Or should I say me or thee? Hey, I'm already off to it. <laughs> He's on it. That's you. Okay. I'm on it and I'm on the track and I gotta run so fast that I can't look back and the tortoise always beats the hare. Don't you dare say the contrary because he's in the rear and the rear. Tortoise is winning the race. Hey, there's a lot of space between him and that little bunny. Tortoise ran so slow that it looked kind of funny, but he was slow and steady. He was always ready for the race. Hey, and then he gave that smiling face when he crossed that line. And there was no disgrace for the rabbit because he talked to him right after. He said, you got to stay ready on the rafters. Hey, <laughs> rafter, I don't know where I was going with that, but that's it. <laughs> on the rafter. <laughs> okay, one more. Got to score. That's right. Going for the goal. And I know that I got to go to the pole. That's right. Pledge of Allegiance. What what rhymes? I, there's nothing with allegiance. This is bad. I'm not. I'm not in the space today. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm not. I'm normally better than this. No, I, I love that's it. what everybody says. He's not normally better than this. Uh, uh, that's tough. Oh my god. Hey, hey, tortoise and the hair came out today. Yeah, I was like, I wonder if we should do some other fairy tales sometime. That's what I was. As you were doing that, I was like, man. I feel like that would have been a better topic to go for just like some kind of. Oh, story. we should let's pick a topic. So every day, every podcast. Well, one of us will just pick a random topic. That's it. Hey, that's a good idea. That's it. That's how ideas are generated, people. <clears throat> in the think tank, so that's what they call it. Is that, <laughs> is, is that what they call it? They call it the think tank? I don't know. Is that what they call it? Speaking of the think tank, you need to talk about a smart guy, Austin Satrio, uh, our, our, our man who, <laughs> who was the speaker last night. Uh, what? Did, what did, that was not a good transition? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like cactus. Speaking of cactus, our speaker was also very sharp. <laughs> <laughs> like anything, anything. I mean, it, he is smart. Pickles. Uh, speaking of sweet and sour tasting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh gosh. No, yeah, it was, it was, it was great. Uh, Austin has graced us many times with his with his presence at Holy Grounds. Not his first, actually. When was his first? Was he? Did he? He gave one when he was a student, right? Yeah, I think. On well, prayer. when he was an undergrad student. On prayer, maybe. Or I maybe, maybe on prayer. No, I think you're right. Um, but it was cool because I entered into Austin's life right kind of after that moment. Mm. So it was about six months after he went to seek that I met him and. Um, yeah, all the things he was saying about you know where he was at, it's it's neat because I never knew that part of Austin, um, mm. that 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 kind of version of him. Mm. Uh, but but I get to see the transition from what he talked about, like his first conversion to his second conversion of like this deeper trust, and it's it's really real. You can yeah. tell when you 
speak to him, just the depth that, that's gone through. Um, so, yeah, Alex, what, as you were listening, you've obviously heard this man's story, you know his story, but what was it that he particularly articulated last night that you were being drawn by, you know? Yeah, I think, um, well, I have a few things I want to use as a backdrop to the conversation today, but I think the thing that stuck out to me the most from yesterday was at the end of Austin's story, he shared that um, I really, like for him, in, in his own life and what he's seen, that that conversion is really sparked by being brought to this place where he realized in himself, like something is off and something is not what it should be. So he's, he said that he recognized that there was some unmet desire or need. <clears throat> and I think it sounds like conversion happens when a person puts uh, a finger on that and says, my, my life's not what I, it should be. My state of happiness is not what it should be. My relationships are not what it should be. So they recognize an unmet desire and need and then bring it authentically to God for the first time. I think um, in, in a, like on your, on your knees, like tears in your eyes, like crying out to the Lord, I think, I think conversion often happens um, in those moments or at least in that kind of disposition of heart. That's what kind of stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what? That, that stood out to me a lot too, mainly in the context of just thinking about my own life and the times that I feel... So th- this past kind of six months for me has been a time, um, maybe more so than the year before that, um, where I, I just really felt like a clear something was off, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and uh, it, yeah, it kind of came from this this recognition of I feel like I'm doing a lot of the good things, but there's still something kind of missing, you know. Um, and there has been a lot of the Lord inviting me into more of a, uh, the best way to say it in like a short version is just presence with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of Austin, very similar to what he was sharing. And yeah, I, I guess something I was kind of wrestling with as I was like praying about that, um, it's just, why is it that so many times that moment doesn't come, you know, for us? Like we all, like we, all of us are made for God. All of us have huge desires, right? And all of us are like, constantly wrestling with even people that are not close to the Lord are wrestling with unmet desires like every day, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Um, but I think also what happens a lot of times is like we have the response of like kind of drowning those desires, yeah. you know, kind of just like calm, uh, trying to act like they're not there. Um, and I guess some, what I was trying to like kind of dig into is like, why, what is it in the human person, the human condition generally, but even like in this particular culture and mm-hmm. this time, mm-hmm. Why is it that so often, like, when I'm talking to guys on campus or when I'm doing outreach, that that seems to be yes. something that's just not, there's not an awareness oh, of, so, of so that. Good. You know, like, why is that? Okay, like, this this is such a good question, and there's a lot that comes to my mind. <clears throat> I want to share three things that you just sparked through that question. The first is, like, the the general response to, like, the hardship and pain in our heart, the, the desires and the unmet desires, unmet needs. So the first is, like, a general response I think all of us experience, especially those who are particularly far away from God, um, whether they look like it or not. The second is those who are who are closer and those who maybe um, think that they should, should not have unmet desires or needs, that something, like, that they can kind of uh, fix it themselves. Mm-hmm. And the third is, like, that, that genuine um, to your knees, just, like, dropping, crying out to the Lord. So... The first is, and this is something you and I talk about um, a lot, whether explicitly or, or not, but like is all the distractions that play in that ultimately numb the, the, un, the pain from unmet desires and needs, right? So it doesn't matter whether it's like sex or money or drugs or social media or um, 
you know, excessive travel or uh, getting like, you know, popularity. Like it's all, in a sense, they're all the same and that they all can act the same to just numb uh, pain and hardship from like unmet desires and needs, right? Yeah. And there's things that we use to feel that. <clears throat> so that's why you know, you and I are, are really, have been uh, trying like a lot in the last few months to like not be on our phone as much and not be, um, you know, scrolling as much on different social medias because we, we don't want to numb that pain. <clears throat> and quick side story with that, there was a, a good friend of mine who told me that uh, he went on a, a trip to India a number of years ago and he was working, I think, with like the Sisters of Charity there. And they worked with, you know, those who are dying and those who are seriously um, injured. And there was a day where he went into like the, the kind of the warehouse where they were with, with everybody. And there was a man there uh, that was laying on the table and um, he was screaming because he had flesh uh, eating bacteria on his leg. And it was, um, had like consumed a lot of his foot and up to like past his ankle. And, and so he was just uh, in a lot of pain. But then the sisters were trying, there was several sisters that <clears throat> called my friend over to help him, uh, to hold him down on the table so they could treat the wound, so they could clean it out and uh, with like alcohol and things like that. And, uh, and so he, as they started to do that and clean out the wound, he was just screaming and screaming and wailing. And, and like there was like six or seven people trying to hold him down that couldn't. And the sisters were like, gosh, he was just like, just uh, like exploding at this. And, and my friend was like, what, what's wrong? One of the sisters looked at his arm and saw that he had um, been using a lot of drugs. Like there was um, mm. like a lot of marks on his arm that he had been shooting up drugs. And the sister leaned over to my friend and said, um, this man numbed pain for so long that when pain was required for healing, he was no longer able to endure it. He's like, this man numbed pain for so long that when pain was required for healing, he was no longer capable of enduring it. And I think that's something that comes to mind with like what happens with... Uh, why we are not brought off into this disposition of being healed and being met and being encountered is because we've become so accustomed to numbing the pain and numbing out the desire that we don't long, we no longer recognize it and we no longer are willing or able to go through the necessary uh, pain and to, to experience healing and being met on the other side. So yeah, that's the first that story is really powerful. I, maybe you, I don't know, maybe he even told me that story. I think Braxton might have told me that story mm -hmm. verbatim. It was, it was Braxton, right? Uh, yeah. oh, we name dropping? Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a friend of mine who uh, may or may not listen to this podcast and may or may not have been a guest on it one time <laughs> back in the day. Um, yeah, and I, I just am so, con like, when you talk about this, and yes, I know I've talked about this a lot, but it's just so true in my life and everyone's life I know, that we have just so many numbs that are mm -hmm. easily, easily accessible and at all times. And that's I think that is the most important difference to distinguish between you know, the culture, kind of getting to the question I was asking about, like, why is it today? And this, you know, there's the general question of why does humanity dodge suffering? But why is it that it seems particularly in our, in our day, there's like a numbness to like greater desires for something more. And I think that like, yeah, it's because we have access to something that not, not only is like powerful, because that's, there's been drugs and things like that for a long time, but something you can have at every moment always, yeah. which is like, you know, the internet and distraction and all this stuff. Um, and it's, and it's so, I guess, like pervasive because yeah, not only is it always accessible, but it always does do that thing. Like, which is like just ever so slightly distract mm -hmm. you from, you yeah. never, and it's interesting. Uh, I've heard it described before as like a, like a, 
you know, a latent anxiety, like, cause you never feel necessarily right. healed by it, but you're just numb enough that you're like, I guess I can probably still sleep. Yeah. You know, but it, it, it builds in the background, like right. the feeling of anxiety. It just, it's, 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 it goes away. It's, I guess like strength, but it, but it almost like builds. It's like kind of silent presence in your mm-hmm. heart. Um, and you know, so many people, I don't think are really convinced to this myself included at times, but it's like, okay, you don't think you use it in numb. Why do you pull it out when you're stressed? Why do you pull it out when you're bored? Why do you, you know, like yeah. if you, if you ever fe- catch yourself doing those things, or even if you've ever done the thing where you like delete an app and you like find yourself just like yes. looking for it, like, <laughs> I don't know. I just don't really believe anyone. That sounds really bad. But if they tell me like, oh, I'm not like, I don't, I'm like, no, like yeah. you do. Cause you're a human being and these are designed for, to get human yes. beings, you know? And I guess, you know, there's plenty of literature out there about how it's, you know, not, it's hurting the human species in regards to attention and, um, you know, effectiveness in your job and mm-hmm. work and stuff like yeah. that. But it's the, un, it's the unaddressed killer of the soul. Like yes, in terms totally. of like, you know, totally. we've talked about it from, from an efficiency standpoint, but I think the church is not strongly enough called out it for from a perspective of like how it just kills the soul. Yeah. Totally. And so as Austin was sharing that about the unmet desire thing, that was something that was really yes. like I was like, man, what, what's yes. causing that? You know? Yeah. So that that is what I would say I think holds a majority of people down is that like unawareness of like you're saying like numbing themselves through the the constant easy access of phone and internet and social media like the. They're no longer immersed in their own life and in their own senses and their own experience of relationship, but they're uh, they're taken out of their own life into a different reality that that is more pleasurable and easy and fun and entertaining. So things like the beauty and goodness and um, you know like uh, adventure like are more like elusive and um, but okay. So what I was gonna say was so so if that's the first thing like numbness is one of the first obstacles to like being in touch with authentic desires of our heart. The second one I. I don't. I don't think it's unique to me, but I'm sure other people have it. But maybe they're not um, as aware of it as as I became over the course of time. And that is so. If the first is numbness to the pain, then the second is self soothing. Mm-hmm. And and I think and not in a in a numbing way, but in a I, I'm staying in in control and I'm still not leading me to a place of surrender and entrustment to the Lord. So what that looked like for me authentically was as I began to know more about the church, know more about the human person, know more about God, know more about what, I, what I'm made for, what I'm not made for, when I'd begin to have some kind of discord in my life, I begin to feel uh, anxious or begin to feel sad or angry, I'd instantly try to like diagnose myself and say what, what was wrong and walk through my day, walk through my situation, walk through what happened, and I would talk myself out of it. So I was like, okay, yeah, so you're just... You're feeling down because you entered a conversation, you weren't well received, the other person misunderstood, um, you know, it hurts to be misunderstood. Um, what I'll try to do next time is to clarify, do this. Um, but yeah, I'm made to be received. And so I wonder if I can find another relationship in which I can be received better. And I know that will help heal me. So what was happening for a long time is the more I began to learn about myself and about the Lord and about, well, really, really more about myself, about the, about the human person, um, and not as much about the Lord, about other people and their faults and their sins as well as my own. Then I began to self-soothe everything that went wrong. It was like I saw all of it as a tool in my tool belt that I could always fix myself in any given situation, right? Yeah. Like hard thing with my parents. Oh, I, I can dive into that. In five minutes, I can come out feeling better. But there was one night I was like doing the laundry, kneeling by my bed, and I had had talked to um, – to spirit director, and I always go back to this moment because it was huge for me. And he talked about seeing Jesus more as a model than as a person. 
and not having a relationship with him, but just stri- striving after him from a distance and trying to close the gap between me and him and not one of accompaniment and one of love and friendship. And it was like, I was sitting there by my bed doing laundry and all of a sudden it just came up like a, like a, like a louder voice than, than most. I'm sitting there literally folding my socks next to my bed. And it's just like the question in my heart was like, like, Jesus, like, why don't I know you? Like other people know you. And, and like what came so clear was because Alex, you haven't let yourself be saved. It was like, that was just as clear as day. Like you haven't let yourself be saved. Yeah. And, and that was the, that's, that for me is what unlocked the, like the realization of like, man, all of these years as I've come to grow in understanding, it's like I've used it as tools in my own tool belts to soothe myself, which, which is great. Self-knowledge is great. But if it, it ultimately always led me inward and, and not in an inwardness towards the Lord to like authentically ask him, Lord, Lord, would you come into this situation? Like, mm-hmm. would you heal my heart? Mm-hmm. Would you be with me in the sadness? Would you help? give me mercy for this person. But it all became a tool, my own tool belt to diagnose and to fix a situation. So if the first thing is numbness, the second thing would be a self-soothing that's apart from God. Um, what is what I think maybe uh, keeps us aloof from our own unmet desires and needs. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good articulation of that. So kind of like as you're speaking, it was like the first level, which is like numbness. Mm-hmm. And, and particularly, I think you can almost dif- differentiate and maybe the second one is gonna bleed in between the self-soothing. But the first one is like a numbness, and it's so habituated that, that there's almost like a, a lack of awareness that I am numb, that mm-hmm. I have right. killed desires. Right. There's the second level, which is like I, I'm habituated to numbness, but I know that I'm unhappy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm, I, I'm very aware of that, and so I'm turning to these, these numbs, yeah. which that could kind of get in the self-soothing thing. Yeah. And it might be like hiding, um, hiding and like pretending and, and not being authentic with, with what's happening. Right, right. Um, and kind of then what you're speaking into is maybe in that same category, just almost like what you could consider in some ways a more virtuous way of handling that is like, mm-hmm. I'm unhappy and so I'm going to do what's necessary to fix the problem, uh, which, you know, has its merit until it doesn't because it's like, you know, when it, whenever you're trying to ultimately avoid the fact that you need to save right. um, I, I think like last night we talked about <clears throat> the point of like Christianity in life is not about doing or knowing or having. It's about being and becoming. And I think that level of self-soothing is really focused on doing and knowing. Like if I know enough about myself, if I have enough self-awareness, if I know enough about the history of another person, like what led them to to do X, Y, or Z, and about culturally where we are and relationally, what's happening, um, you know, across the board. And if I do the right things and if I have the right skills and if I go make amends in a certain way and if I keep things within my control of doing and knowing, it's a level of self-soothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I want to get into the third one, which is really like that, that being and becoming. But yeah, does that, does that make sense? Does that kind of rings yeah, true for you yeah, too? Yeah, I agree. Um, have you, do you feel like that's something that you can relate to with like, with kind of the, the doing and the knowing and self-soothing or something that you're like, oh, I can see that with other people, but I, not like a, um, you know, a personal um, experience there. What is that? Oh, no, no, that's personal experience. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that, that's it. definitely like, you know, it, it's it's the feeling of, it's the feeling of seeing an issue and trying to to kind of master it yourself, you know. Um, instead of first turning to God and asking for his, petitioning Him for the grace, right, to, to mm-hmm. be present in that moment, petitioning for the grace to encounter Him, to admit poverty, it's like a, it, for me a lot of times it turns into self condemnation because it's like you didn't handle this well and you need to do it better next time, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like this, like um, it's this loop of 
I experience suffering, the way I soothe it is first by just getting angry at myself and then vowing on that that's not going to happen again, mm, mm-hmm, you know, which mm-hmm. then the next time it happens, I get angrier and then I vow yes. more fervently. Ooh, you gosh, know? that's a, that's a whole, <clears throat> a whole, like another dimension of all this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I, so I think that that is very much self. Yeah. It's my own experience mm. is that, that oftentimes that is the case. Um, now there are times, praise God, that I'm going to experience the one you're about to talk about as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can think of like, there's one really poignant memory of a time, because I think this reality of the, the third and final one that you're p- proposing here, which is the, which is the, the truly like good one, like the one that's filled with grace and love, mm-hmm. which is like suffering leads you to come to your knees and ask the Lord for, to help you with something that you can't do on your own. Like, like the feeling right. of of experiencing something you don't numb it and you don't try to fix it yourself yeah and and so you're 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 both aware of it and aware of also your limitation in fixing the problem mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that's going to continue to happen all throughout our journey as disciples yeah. kind of as austin was proposing last night this idea of ongoing conversion um because i think <laughs> this was a huge when i became a missionary and this is why this is not like why you should you know become a missionary but it, it happened for me in this case when i became a missionary <clears throat> it was the first time because when i was in college like I don't know. I was in control of my things for the most, at least I felt that way. And, totally. and I knew my schedule and I knew the can you know, and I felt very confident in all these places. And then when I came to become a missionary, I was humiliated in that so many things that I thought were easy were not anymore. Mm. So many things I thought I knew about myself. I started falling back into old sins and things mm. like that. And there was a point I remember particularly in early October, my first year here is so October, 2019, where I, for the first time in a long time felt completely helpless in the same way that I did kind of leading up to my initial conversion. Mm. Um, And it was this moment where the Lord finally helped me to see that I wasn't going to be able to change that on my own. Um, And it was a moment, right. Of actually like what the whole thing, right. Continued conversion for me. So I, Mm. I I definitely can think of those experiences in my life amidst the times that I did what I just admitted, which is, you know, trying Mm. to overcorrect and fix and taking the vow and getting angry there are also times I've seen more recently where God's just like, no, I mean, Gosh. you know, open, open yourself up to me. Cause this is where I want to love you. you know? Oh, so good. So good. This is why, this is why two of the biggest words that you will hear in, in the Christian life, whether it's in scripture and the catechism, saint quotes, um, looking at Mary, looking at Jesus, like it, it's all like comes back to so often humility and receptivity. And like, that is where I feel like, those are are dispositions and virtues that uh, are are required of the person to enter into this third place. Yep. And as, as you grow in self awareness and, and you become less numb, but, you, but then you grow maybe you step a little bit into into a pride or into a vanity or into um, you know your your heart becomes a little bit more uh, hard hearted after experiencing you know repeated um, injury, and then you feel like you have to self soothe, and it's harder to let, to let someone else in and to be honest about what you're experiencing, that kind of thing. But then you're, you're ultimately brought uh, by the Lord um, to a place of humility and receptivity, which is like, humility is, like you said, like I see things for what they are. I see myself for what I am, for who I am. And I see my conditions and my strengths and my weaknesses. But ultimately, I come to a place of that I need help. And that brings me to a place of receptivity where I want to ask the Lord for his grace and for his mercy. And um, to talk about this third this third thing, and I feel like this could be, I mean, this could be like an, an hour or two hours easy, just like there's so much here. But this third place then would be the the being and, and becoming that that surrendering um, and allowing the Lord to enter into those places, um, and I, I feel like 
yeah, I'm just interested to see kind of maybe what comes to mind for you. But I think what the image that's coming to mind for me right now is like a little kid who um, is just like doesn't uh, like whose desire to be picked up and played with like by their by their parent. Uh, slowly is maybe not met over time where they begin to turn away from it. They, they begin to get distracted, you know, with food or toys or whatever it is. And they become less um, less in touch with their desire to be picked up and played with, engaged by their by their parent. Then you have that second level of, of self-soothing is like, okay, like I recognize that uh, like I need something, and but I can get it for myself. I can go, um, you know, get a toy or get a pacifier. I can do a certain rocking motion, you know, that kind of thing to soothe myself. Then that third one is just that, like, the realization of like, no, I still need to be held and to be cared for. And, and it's because I have a loving father and because I'm a son that's worth loving. And so that, that being and becoming is like, what does it look like to realize that like the Lord loves me for who I am, that he desires to care for me as I am, that he will always care for me because of who he is. And what does it look like for my, for, for me to allow myself to be cared for and to be weak with him and um, to be known and to be loved uh, by him. And often that looks like letting other people in first. Mm-hmm. I think okay. I think the Lord brings people into our life um, to form relationships with us. And, and I think sometimes people are like, no, like, it's just me and him. Like I just want my, my faith to be a personal thing. But the reason no. why the reason why it's not <laughs> no, the reason why it's not, the reason why uh, relationship with God is almost always, if not always relational with another person, is because it's always like a school of relationship. The Lord brings someone into our life. Because it, it, and Jesus says this too to Nicodemus, like if you cannot believe an earthly thing, you cannot believe a heavenly thing. So if we're conditioned to like not letting someone in, in a, in a relationship who loves us, who wants to help us, who wants to be there for us, um, who wants to take care of us, if we don't experience in that on a natural level, uh, it becomes pretty impossible to experience that at a supernatural level to let the Lord in in that intimate way. Yeah. Um, so Yeah. No, that's really true. It, yeah, I, I agree with you 100% that I think it starts with vulnerability. <laughs> I almost hate using that word because it's just so overused, but but that really, right? Like being willing mm-hmm. to like open yourself up to the possibility of, I'm going to share something with you that I want to share because I, I think that you actually can see me in this and love me. But I recognize that if you weren't to do that, you can, this could actually really hurt. Like that's vulnerability. You know, yeah. you're like, you're willing to, to open something up to people that if they used it or misconstrued it or whatever, it could actually really hurt you. Um, but you're doing that because you want to enter into that experience of suffering with someone else. Mm-hmm. You want to commiserate, you know, you want, but not, not <laughs> commiserate like we're going to drink together, you know, but commiserate in the way of I'm experiencing this hardship and I want to invite you into it because ultimately I believe that Jesus lives in you. And I want to to kind of have this bridge where now we can go to him in prayer together and, yep. and pray for the, you know this thing and oh, um, it's so important. So also, as you were talking about the idea of like it's not supposed to be individualistic, I was just thinking there's not one time in the Gospels where Jesus encounters someone, mm. and then and then there's not like some kind of invitation. Um, like there's never a point where he's like, yeah, go. He'll say like, go, your faith has saved you, or you know that kind of thing. But there there's never like. Go and never talk to someone the rest of you know about it. Or like like yeah. the clear model of the early church always is is community. You know, mm-hmm. in terms of like that is the way by which you said the school of love, right? That's where we mm-hmm. learn how to how to love God. And so I think, yeah, this idea of like I'm just doing me and doing my thing with Jesus is just like not at all the vision of how Christ wants to transform us. And particularly in the in the desire and in, in this context of ongoing conversion, mm. in this context of like allowing ourselves to, to kind of 
cry out and seek help. Like, yep. like it, yeah, starting with the human, allowing mm. it to go to the heavenly. Okay, very last thing because this is what we do. We bring it. Let's bring it round circle with my my favorite uh, parable because it really is like exactly what we're talking about, which is the the prodigal son. Right, you have the younger son who runs away and he numbs himself and all the things of the world. Then you have the older son who stays at home and self soothes. But as he self-soothes, he becomes more angry and more uh, disconnected from people around him. And then you have the father who's at home, who's, who's being the father and becoming the father and, and inviting the, both sons home. And, and what's, what's so crazy is the more dangerous of the two, in, in my opinion, is the older brother, the self-soother. Because it's the place that you can, you can, you can look closer to God and feel and uh, feel like you're doing okay, but your heart is far from God because it's becoming hardened over time. And you can even become angry with the Lord uh, because you're doing all the right things. You know all the right things, except you're, you're not living into the, the being and becoming and, and giving yourself in the weak way that you do when you often when you come home from numbness. Yeah, um, yeah. It's hard. It's, that's a really hard one. Well, it makes, me, it makes me think too of like what we were talking about earlier of the two levels of numbness, like the numbness where you're not aware of it you're numb, but you don't even know that you're that there's desires that are squashed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the numbness where you're, you're actively like seeking out to to fix that thing, but but you're aware that that, that you feel mm-hmm. not okay. Um, and the prodigal son, right? He he knows that he feels not okay, um, and he starts to seek it in all these different things, which helps him realize sooner that actually, I, like these none of these are working, and I feel and I'm empty, you know. Whereas the elder son because of the way in which like you said right he's like self-serving he's going through these different ways of i'm going to figure out this problem blah blah blah. he never actually recognizes that he's empty and that he doesn't have what it takes to fix the problem mm-hmm. um and i think that's kind of what you're saying like it's almost like he <laughs> he went back to the beginning the first step which is like not being aware yeah. that something's wrong you know not being able to identify that there's a gap whereas the prodigal son right mm-hmm. it says you know he when he's like miserable and he doesn't even have, you know, the pig pods to eat on, he thinks, how many of my fathers serve? You know, he, he recognizes like that he's in want and there's a better solution mm-hmm. than where he's at. Um, and so, yeah, I think just the, the biggest thing I see is, is, is if we can become aware that, that there are desires that we have mm-hmm. um, and, and that, the, and that they're not able to be met outside of Jesus, yes. Yes. Then, then that's like, that's, that's, that's the path to holiness, you know? That's everything. Um, and right, being willing when he proposes to us, like the path forward to, to meet our desires, like that we would be willing to say yes to him. Yes. Like when when he invites us, right, to like to really like um, into his own life, and like we open ourselves up to him and say, Lord, like I want you, I want like yes. I want, I want these desires met in you. That we would that we yeah. would be like faithful and like just hearing his voice and listening to what he what he invites us to. You know, so good. Um, yeah, so good. Okay, on the very last last note, as we wrap all this up, I uh, just want to emphasize that well, what Trevor said is the, the realization that only Jesus can fulfill these things. Uh, I think as, as a Catholic, it can feel just really foreign to say the name of Jesus. Like I know it felt very foreign for me in my prayer for a long time to say, to say, the, to, to say the name of Jesus, but um, I would encourage you, like if you don't say the name of Jesus, if, if, you know, like to, he came to reveal himself so we could speak to him and to the Father. Um, and so to, to pray like Jesus uh, and to say his name, whenever, say it out loud in your heart, whatever, but Jesus, I'm, I do not feel happy at, at my work. Jesus, I do not feel happy in my relationships. Jesus, I feel hurt in my friendships. Um, Jesus, I feel alone in my family life. 
Jesus, I feel this or I think this and I can't do this, Jesus, but to, to authentically pray to him um, and to use his name because he, he wants you to cry out to him um, so he can meet those desires. So as we leave, uh, we want to encourage you to cry out to the Lord, um, to cry out to Jesus, um, to use his name, um, and to turn to him with your desires and your needs. And uh, Trevor, this is one of my favorite that we've probably done in a long time. I loved it. That's huge. Gosh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I loved it too. It was great. It was ridiculous. Great. Uh, all, right. all right. Faithful listener, um, you know who you are, and uh, we will see you next week. We'll see you next week. And hey, if you have to choose between one of the two, faithful or listener, be faithful. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> faithful or listener.